Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome back to another episode of the Believe in Minnesota Football podcast hosted by me, Tony Lieber. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at Tony Liebert and Instagram and TikTok at Tony underscore Lieber. For today's episode, we will be recapping the Gophers' disappointing blowout loss on the road against the Purdue Boilermakers. And what, what does it mean for the program going forward? Um, this is a very disappointing loss for the P.J. Fleck-led Gophers, and I, I, th- there's a lot of ways you can you can go from reacting to this game. Um, if you've been listening to all the episodes, you obviously know the Gophers for Purdue was two and seven this year. They were carrying a four-game losing streak heading into the, this game. Um. Their offense hadn't scored 20 points since September. So, but Purdue was favored to win most of the week. The line closed in the Gophers' favor. And I was under the impression the Gophers were going to win. I thought that Purdue had far too many question marks. Honda seemed that point of a season for a first-year head coach where the season gets long, they start to realize, like, this is a lot of work. And then you kind of go from there. But the Gophers came into this game unprepared, unmotivated, and they didn't look like they cared. And that really starts with the head coach. I'm going to be completely honest with you. It was one of, if not the most frustrating loss. I said the game last week against Illinois was frustrating, but the Northwestern games and the Bowling Green game, those those I had a different reaction to because the whole game you're like, is this really happening? Because you're like, the Northwestern game, they did so well in the first half. And then you're like, it just kind of happened. The Northwestern just came back and you're like, what is going on? And then the Bowling Green game, the whole time you're like, what is going on? And then... So there was a different reaction watching those games. The Illinois game, there were obviously so many moments they could have won. Like, you're playing a good team, a team that's supposed to be a close game. This one, you're playing a good team, a team that's supposed to be a close game. We're learning more and more that Northwestern is a pretty solid team this year, so that loss is very weird to revisit at this point of the season. But um, this was just borderline, just embarrassing. They just got... Bullied. Um, I mentioned that Purdue has struggled to run the ball all year. They averaged 154.8 rushing yards per game heading into Saturday. Against the Gophers, a supposed tough run defense, Purdue had 44 carries for 353 yards and four touchdowns, eight yards per carry. Just borderline embarrassing, humiliating, any way you put it. This was just unacceptable, inexcusable. And I I just don't know why. So we obviously know pregame that Cody Lindenberg is surprisingly out after having one of the best games of his career. P.J. Fleck really likes to keep close to uh, the program. He doesn't like disclosing what the injuries are. Now he's required to 
just close who's out or in the lineup before the game. And so there was no disclosure if this was an in, the injury that lingered from the start of the year, the leg injury with Odie, or what it was. But so he's out. And then Maverick Baranowski, a guy who started most of the season, goes back into his, his uh, normal role. Unfortunately for the Gophers, Maverick Baranowski got injured early in the game. In comes true freshman Matt Kingsbury, who was one of the lower-ranked commits in the Gophers' 2023 recruiting class. Um, I was... A little surprised that he played. Um, EJ Fleck and the Gophers had been talking him up a little bit, saying that he's this really soft player. But uh, another linebacker who was getting talked up a lot preseason was Joey Gerlock. And so I was a little surprised they went with Kingsbury, who did not play well, to put it bluntly. Um, he played 26 snaps and had a PFF grade of 43.9. But many players on this defense did not play well. Um, so a lot of times, especially in this game, especially against Illinois, a lot this defense has been letting up a lot of big plays. And everyone's like, oh, we have the best safety in the country. Why is that happening? The other safeties are not playing well at all. Um, Darius Green has been playing quite poorly. Um, he yesterday was Arguably the worst game of his career. I don't want to bash guys too much, but he had a PFF grade of 28.5. He played 23 snaps, and he got benched for redshirt freshman Coleman Bryson, who was the MVP of the bowl game last year, who didn't play much better. He had a PFF grade of 39.5. So the safety um, room was not good. And I mentioned... Matt Kingsbury, who played. Uh, another linebacker who played was Tyler Stolsky, a former walk-on. So that, that would mark the second former walk-on that's getting a serious run on this team this year. So they they tried a lot of options at linebacker. They were trying a lot of different things. It wasn't just one guy in this game. Um, Devin Williams was the highest graded player on the defense. A guy who's been playing pretty well. Maverick Baranowski, after five snaps, headed to the bench with an injury. Ryan Selig, Western Michigan transfer, played fairly well, 26 snaps. Um, so then you had to rely on a guy that didn't have any other Power 5 offers coming out of high school with Matt Kingsbury and a former walk-on linebacker. And this is something that if you ask P.J. Fleck, if you put him on a lie detector, he would say, that that's why this defense imploded. And it could be, but as a head coach, you're, especially in college, your job is also to be the general manager and make the roster or at least have guys employed by you that know how to make a roster. So the fact that you had to play a line, uh, Red a red shirt or a true freshman linebacker and a walk on linebacker in November in a Big Ten game kind of says a little bit about your roster. It's year seven. Everyone else has a transfer portal. Everyone else has NIL. There's no excuses that those are the guys you're having to rely on. That's an issue. That's a red Stolsky's a red shirt freshman walk on. 
And Matt Kingsbury is a true freshman, top 1,300 recruit in the country. These are not guys that preseason people are expecting to play. And the fact that you have to rely on them, injuries or not, every team in the country has injuries, and you need to build your roster expecting injuries. That's how football works. I don't really like that excuse when you say, oh, we have injuries. Did you come into the year thinking that everyone on your team was not going to get injured? That's just not a good uh, roster construction strategy, and that's not a very good um, strategy to just have in general. So, yes, P.J. Flag expected his linebackers to be Cody Lindenberg and Devin Williams and then Maverick Baranowski in that third role, Ryan Seelig in the fourth role. He did not expect Tyler Solsky, Matt Kingsbury, and Joey Gerlock to play this year. But there were injuries that happened, you, and you have to have those guys ready, and they clearly weren't. Um, and it, it paid for them. And that second safety spot is... Probably been their worst position all year. They just can't really figure that out, especially in the last few weeks, letting up just really big plays. Um, The defensive line played fairly well. Tyler Baugh continues to play pretty well. Uh, Devin Eastern is improving. Um, But as for the edge players, this was one of uh, the combination of Jalen Logan Redding, Jaw Joyner, and Danny Shrigal, it was one of their worst combined games of the year, probably. None of them graded above 65 on PFF. It seemed like they were just getting blocked pretty easily. And there was just no explosiveness on this defense. And that's an issue. I don't think it's a schematic thing. I think Joe Rossi's still a very good defensive coordinator, and I wouldn't say anything like, go fire Joe Rossi. He is a top third, maybe top fourth. Yeah, top 25% defensive coordinator in the country every single week. So he's going to have some down years, going to have some down games, going to have some up games, going to have some down, some. There's going to be ups and downs, basically what I'm saying. So saying to fire him is an overreaction, in my opinion. They just had a couple bad games on defense, and the injuries is a reason, but. Well, he is still in the room that's making roster decisions. I think it leans more on PJ Flex's shoulders for that. He's the head coach. He's the decision maker. You need to realize that uh, you need better linebackers. These linebackers are not good. Cody Lindenberg is very good. But if you're on your fourth linebacker and it's like you're playing a high school player, that's not a good thing. So not to bash those guys. They're not levels of players that should be playing in the Big Ten a year or two into their college career. Plain and simple. Um, none of those guys had any other Power 5 offers. And those guys, it, it, you say you're a developmental program, they can develop in their third or fourth year, but expecting them to play in year one or year two is a very tough ask because those guys were not playing high-level college football. So, in general, this defense, it was embarrassing. I could tell you all these other stats, but I think it raises a bigger issue that the roster construction this offseason, especially in the linebacking room, wasn't good. Um, they lost Braylon Oliver to Georgia Tech, lost Donald Willis to Ohio, and they went out and replaced him with Ryan Seelig, and they thought Cody Lindenberg was going to make this jump. 
He's only played in two games. And I'm not going to speak on any of the rumors that he's maybe sitting out early because that's all speculation. And I think it would be unfair to him, unfair to the program to talk about that. It's a whole other thing that rumors like that are even starting. I wrote about it a little bit on Gopher Hole, but the fact that there are even rumors like that is a bit concerning. But I have no confirmation or anything, so I'm not going to talk on it. But um, that's one thing that shouldn't be even talked Um. Yeah, I, I think that was the Gophers' worst offensive game since they played Maryland in 2020. That game, that was it was uh, the night before Halloween, the day of Halloween. Um, and I remember that. Talia completely torched him in that game. It was in overtime. They lost on that kick 45-44. It was uh, the day, be- day before Halloween. But I remember Mo was crazy. That 41 carries, 207, and four touchdowns in that game. The offense was great, but um, the defense was just in the dumpster. Talia had 394 through the air, three touchdowns. They had uh, close to 300 yards rushing. So it was a pretty similar game than, than what we saw um, Saturday against Purdue. So when it comes to the defense, I, I think – you can build off this. It's not the end of the world. You don't have to sell wholesale and uh, get rid of Joe Rossi. Like I said, this is where good coaches step up, and I still believe Joe Rossi is a good coach. So he'll realize there's been mistakes made, and they'll go from there. But on the offensive end, they played better. They scored 30 points. Um, Ethan had one of his better games of the season. Statistically, but he was 18 of 42. Uh, he didn't make many huge mistakes, but adding that up is just not very impressive. And he had, he had three touchdowns. Um, I believe that's only the second time he's ever done that. And it's just not... It, the more I talk about this, it's just frustrating to talk about. But, um, yeah. The... I still... The, the, this offense still has the same issues that uh, Ethan in the first half was playing like a very good quarterback, and then he just completely folded in the second half. They stopped doing everything that was working. Uh, Bremen Spanford was getting big chunk plays in the first half. They just completely went away from that. Daniel Jackson still very good. Uh, Chris Allen Bell's touchdown catch was tremendous. But, um, yeah, they just went away from everything that was working. They're like – um. they just didn't look ready for the game. It was like they – we're shocked that Cody Lindenberg wasn't playing, and then Maverick Baranowski got hurt, and then they just like gave up. They were like, "Oh, what are we going to do now?" And so I could tell you everything: the offense stinks, the defense stinks, it all stinks right now. But where do the Gophers go from here? They, they, it's one of those games you just throw it out the window, and move on. I could talk about it for a while. I could say um, Darius Taylor not playing is very concerning too. The rumors that he's sitting out for a reason that's not injury related. It shouldn't be coming out as well, but I'm not going to speculate on that. But again, the fact that these things are coming out is not what should you, your fans should be talking about in November before a game. It's just, I I still think PJ Flex's job should be safe because he gives the Gophers the best chance to be competitive in the Big Ten Conference for the rest of this year, the rest of next year, the rest of the year after that. Whoever you're going to get isn't going to be competitive right away. 
I just don't think Minnesota's a program like that. Um, Not to compare to the basketball team, but it's kind of like that. Whoever you're going to get is going to want to do it their own way. This is not a program that you're just going to come in and win. It's not like, obviously, it's not like any of the SEC schools, but it's not even like Michigan State. Whoever Michigan State goes out, they're going to come in and expect to go to a bowl game in year one. If we fired P.J. Fleck, if the Gophers fired P.J. Fleck tomorrow, the expectation wouldn't be a bowl game year one. So I, I just don't know what fans want. And then after that, it would be a bowl game. It's going to be a long process to rebuild what P.J. Fleck has. So hiring P.J. Fleck fixed a lot of systemic issues that the Gophers program had. So he's built the Gophers into a respected program nationally. And as someone who's 22 years old and hasn't seen the Gophers at a level like this consistently, I still think he gives them the best chance to remain competitive. So I want to just put that out there. But with all that being said, I think he needs to make wholesale changes. Um, Watching the games with my friends and my family throughout the year, a lot of Gophers fans realize PJ Flex is a stinky in-game coach. He makes puzzling decisions. and But I think there's plenty of good coaches at all levels of football that aren't very good off. Uh, in-game coaches. I just don't know if P.J. Fleck has realized that himself yet. <clears throat> and that's what's concerning. Um, Nick Saban's not calling plays. He hasn't probably called plays in two decades. But he knows he needs to have good coordinators on both sides of the ball. Last year, he didn't like his coordinators. He went out, got a new defense coordinator, a new offense coordinator like that. It's a little tougher at a place like Minnesota because they don't have the resources to do that. But this offense isn't it, plain and simple. It hasn't been it since 2019, and they've had three different offense coordinators, so they're trying. But P.J. Flex clearly not very good at hiring offense coordinators. Um, He's found Joe Rossi, who's a good defense coordinator, still is a good defense coordinator. The, the personnel might be an issue at this point. And there might be a little bit of injuries, not to rehash what I was saying, but you got to hire a better offense coordinator. Um, You're accepting mediocrity. You see a place like Rutgers that just hired the guy you fired, and they're a better team than you right now. They have a better offense than you right now. You have better players than them. That shouldn't be happening. And it's because you're not good at hiring coordinators. So special teams is a whole other issue. I'm going to be honest with you, Ryan. If I was the um, athletic director of the Gophers, if I was Mark Coyle, I'd go into PJ Flex's office, and I'd be like, hey, offense needs to be better. We need more consistency. Uh, we've seen it from Joe Rossi before, so we're going to give him another year or two. And we've seen him perform at an elite level. We haven't seen Greg Harbo, this guy you brought in from Western Michigan and probably talked up and promoted. We haven't seen it from him. He's come in and been incredibly mediocre. Um, do you want Matt Simon as the offense coordinator, or do you want a new one? We've seen Matt Simon be successful. I don't really know why he's not calling plays. He's the co-offensive coordinator, but it's pretty clear that Greg Harbo's the number one guy which is just puzzling beyond belief. He hasn't shown it before. He's not showing it now. So um, he deserves to have a short leash, I think, because he's an offense coordinator, irreplaceable. And P.J. Fleck needs to realize that. It, I, as a college football my, fan myself and seeing a national landscape, seeing Texas A&M, Jimbo Fisher's issue was he was too comfortable. He knew he wasn't going to get fired. He never had a sense of urgency. 
P.J. Fleck came into the Gophers and had a sense of urgency. He's like, we're going to rebuild this. We're going to rebuild it now. Built up to that 2019 season. You had a down year during COVID, which is, which is fair. We'll, we'll give anyone a break during COVID. Almost probably had a bad year in 2020. Came back 2021. Had this experienced team. Had, had expectations of competing in the Big Ten West. And you did. Went to a solid bowl game. Went nine and nine and three, nine and four. So, yeah, that's a fine season. You're you're back to being competitive. Following year, exact same thing. Okay, you're, you still went nine and four. Went to a respectable bowl game. It's okay. Now you lose Tanner Morgan, your longtime QB. You lose Mo Ibrahim, longtime running back. A lot of fans heading into the season were like, okay, this is a rebuilding year. Seven and five, tough schedule, a uh, realistic goal. Now, I don't know if 7-5 is so realistic. Obviously, you'd have to beat Ohio State and Wisconsin. But it's just, I brought up Jimbo Fisher because this year I feel like there's no urgency. It's like P.J. Fleck knows this was supposed to be a rebuilding year. And he's not, that, that was what I took from watching the game. There was just no urgency from the players, from the coaches. It just seemed like they were like, ooh, we're just going to roll under uh, West Lafayette. We're going to sneak by this Purdue team, and then we're just going to go from there. You just lost in heartbreaking fashion last week, and now you're playing a 2-7 and seven Purdue team. You got to go in there and take it from them. You're, you were underdogs most of the week. So I didn't get that. I got that they went in there and they were expecting Purdue to give it to them, which is a little concerning. And that's, why, that's the most frustrating thing. And, yeah, it's just, I, I don't know where you go from here. I, I personally think P.J. Fleck needs to look at himself in the mirror and be like, I need to change the way I do things. And I think he's coached long enough to be able to have the opportunity to do that. And where college football is going with the bigger Big Ten, with the expanded playoff, I think it would be smart for the Gophers program to allow him that opportunity. But when it comes to changing what he needs to do, he needs to get a new offense coordinator. He needs to get a new special teams coordinator. And I think it might be time for him to look at getting a new quarterback because we've seen other programs across the country bring in a transfer quarterback, and it works for him. Um, obviously, Cade McNamara got hurt this year for Iowa, but um, – there's places where the instant transfer QB worked. Um, Bo Nix at Oregon, Michael Penix at Washington. Those are obviously higher programs than Minnesota, but taking a guy who's done it before and has the veteran experience might have been what this team needed. You, Ethan was obviously supposed to be the guy, but if I'm running this program next offseason, I'm I'm bringing in a veteran quarterback. Um, That doesn't mean Ethan can't remain the starter, but you need to light a fire on there and Get some urgency. There's no urgency in the program. That's what I'm saying. And I feel like making those three moves would reignite some urgency. And that's the biggest thing. I keep saying it, urgency, urgency, urgency. That's all you have to do. It's not that complicated. You came into this game and you left the game with the same excuse you have every single loss, which is PJ Flex thing. Oh, we're inexperienced. Well, that's just not a good excuse in year seven. Um, you built the team. You built the last team, too, and it's all your players. It, it's your fault you're inexperienced. So 
real frustrating loss, but um, if the Gophers beat Wisconsin and they have the axe in Florida Rosedale for a six and six season, it's going to be such a weird season. But um, it would be the most Minnesota Gophers thing ever. So um, th- that's something we'll we'll see when we get there. But so t- if the Gophers lose out, man, I don't know. If they get boat raced against Ohio State and then they lose to Wisconsin at home, that's real possibility. And I I don't know if they'll be favored in that game anymore against Wisconsin at this point. Wisconsin five and five like the Gophers, but they're shockingly big spreads every single week. So Vegas clearly still likes Wisconsin, but I I don't know, man. It just you got to take it game by game. Right now, it's it's a low point, and DJ Flex never going to get fired in season. I I don't think that's how Mark Coyle rules. So, um, we just got to take it game by game. But right now, it's it, you got to do something. You got to have some urgency, and they don't have it right now. So, that's kind of why this podcast is all over the place. But as always, I appreciate you guys listening. Build the boat, Sky and go go first. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.